0: To the Fellow Cast, and this is another Bring Your Own Bible episode. Today, Pastor Garth will be discussing Genesis chapter 17 and 18, moving into the covenant that God made with Abraham. So, take a listen and enjoy this episode of the Fellow Cast. Good day, and thank you, Valdo. Yes, we're moving on with the story. We're coming to the great covenant um, that God made with Abraham, the covenant of circumcision. But as with every other story, I just want to quickly backtrack and see where we've come from because the context of how the stories come together um, has a great deal to to do with how we read the story, how we interpret it. So um, we had this incredible encounter where God um, uh, met with Abraham in a way that we've never seen before. Um, Abraham had to cut these animals in pieces and put it down on the ground and God comes in this moment and makes this phenomenal promise to him and sort of stamps on his heart um, that, yes, this is what I will do for you. I will give you a nation um, that will take possession of this land. Through you, the entire world will be blessed. Um, All of that is just confirmed to him. And right after that, he goes and takes his wife's slave as a wife in order to have a child. So God has promised him and said, listen, you will have not just... A child but an incredible nation born from you and he tries to make it doing uh, he tries to make it happen himself Um, so we sort of (laughs) want to say come on Abraham what are you doing but yes that is us as well it's the way that we can uh, try and take a promise from God and then not have enough faith that God will do it we try and make it happen ourselves then we we see Sarah uh, immediately becoming jealous of Hagar and of this child, Um, so for the first time jealousy comes into the family and we're going to see the the wave, the ripple effect of this for the generations to come still in this family, Um, it's a generational curse that's been opened up over here Um, and it's going to bring terrible hurt not just in this generation but generation after generation until Joseph is uh, sold by his brothers and all of that whole story. And then at the end of that chapter, um, for at the end of chapter 16, uh, verse 16, we read, Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Which is already, hey, Voldy, that's an opa of note yeah. of having a child over here. It's quite old. But in the next verse, we see there's a big jump, a jump of 13 years Um, between this story and the next, because when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, "Um, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now, for the first time, God actually comes and says to Abraham, uh, yes, I've got a covenant with you. I've made promises with you. What I require from you is, not just to step out in faith, I also require from you that you will walk before me and be blameless. Hmm. Which is very much the same as what um, God has always asked of us. Remember, um, in Leviticus, we've got this refrain that says, Be holy, why? Because I'm holy. In other words, look like me. Be like me, God says. Which takes us back to Genesis 1 and 2, uh, where God says, let us make man in our image. In other words, God is just asking of Abraham, continue with the plan that I've always had with humanity. Be like me. Be holy as I'm holy. Be blameless as I'm blameless. In other words, in this relationship with me, become more and more and more like me. That's part of the covenant that God's now having with Abraham. It's beautiful, eh? Well, then God says, um, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. And in this moment, God comes and says, as a sign of that, I'm going to put a different kind of stamp on you. You've always been called Abraham, which means exalted father. It's a great name to have. Now you're going to be called Abraham, which means father of many. Or father of many nations, God particularly says. Now, note the difference between those two. It's it's all right to be the father of many. I can have twelve children, or maybe twenty children, thirty children. That would be great. Um, but what if God would come and say to me, "God, you're going to be not the father of many. You're going to be the father of many nations." That's a very different kind of picture. It's a multi-generational promise that God says uh, you're not just going to increase now. You're going to increase as a people. Um, generation after generation after generation. Um, Now, if you read in the book of Exodus, right at the end of Genesis, when they come into the land to meet Joseph and stay there, 70 men come in. Four generations later, when they leave, over 600,000 men leave out. So in four generations' time, they've multiplied from 70, just the men, to over 600,000 just the men. I think it's something like 635,000 men leaving the place. So if you calculate it, it means that every single family in those four generations um, had to have uh, between 10 and 12 children uh, in order to make that happen, in order to make that multiplication happen. It's phenomenal. So exactly as Jacob had 12 sons, so generation after generation after generation, for four generations at least, they've multiplied that much. And then in the desert, when those people died out in that period of 40 years, the same number of people entered into the promised land as went into the desert. So even in that tough time, God continues to multiply them. So just to say, God is keeping his covenant with Abraham. These people are multiplying. They're incredibly fruitful. God is building a nation at a rapid rate um, over here. Now, um, when we come further into the story, God not only changes just um, Abram's name, but he also changes Sarah his name. He says, "Sarah, you will no longer be called princess, which is the meaning of her name. You will be called My princess." or it's just a dignified form of that word, princess. In other words, more exalted, more beautiful, um, more authoritative in that sense. But I love that, that my princess part. You're not just a princess on the face of the earth, you are mine. You're royalty to me, God says. I've, I've got a beautiful plan with you. Well, not only is God asking Abraham, walk blameless before me um, and walk in my sight, He's also about to ask them a physical uh, sign, generation after generation. He says, Abraham, from now on out, every male in your family must be circumcised. Now, that's not just those born out of your bloodline. It's also those bought, foreigners bought as slaves, must also become Um, circumcised in other words they are buying into this covenant that I've got with you this promise it's just the fact that God says my plan is not just with this nation it's not just with this people over here Uh, my plan is for everybody to become part of this nation Um, I want to bless the entire world through this nation So anybody bought as slaves over here or coming to live in the land and want to become part of you guys must be circumcised. It's really, it's an open door. God is not um, working just with an elite bloodline. He's allowing for others to become part of this blessing as well. Those bought and those born can become part of this bloodline. But now we've got... um, God requiring them to say, you must do something and continue to do something as a sign that you believe that I will fulfill my promise, <clears throat> excuse me, for you and your people. <clears throat> to which Abraham replies, oh, please God, I've got the son Ishmael. Can this son please live in your sight? You've got a beautiful plan. Can this and son not be part of this plan? To which God says, yes, um, I will. He said it already. I will make a great nation of him. Twelve rulers will be born out of Ishmael. God is actually very specific. Twelve rulers. I will also make him into great nations. But through he, Isaac will be born. This time next year. Very specific. Very to the date. And um, through through him my covenant will be fulfilled. So God is saying, I still have this promise to fulfill for Sarah. That has been my plan all along. And this impossible thing must happen. Well, that very day, Abraham was faithful and he circumcised everybody in his house. Now, remember from this war that we've seen in the previous chapters, this is a massive amount of people. I mean, he can put an army of over 300 men together out of his people in his household, trained men. So we're looking at at least a thousand, maybe a thousand, five hundred, two thousand people. Um, and every male was circumcised that very day. This man is eager to be obedient to God. And then it just says in chapter 18 the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. So Mamre was, uh, Abraham was sitting over there. And three men uh, came and stood nearby. And Abram is a hospitable man. He's eager to entertain. So he comes and he says, please guys, don't pass me by. You're strangers, you're foreigners, don't pass me by, but come and sit under this tree and let me prepare a meal for you and then you can go again. Now, Voldu, <laughs> I love the details of this story because it just shows us how much trouble this man is willing to go f- through to be hospitable. He doesn't go to the fridge and opens up and take out a Coke and gives it to every guy, or um, he doesn't go to the cappuccino machine and quickly make something lacquer over there. Th- this takes some time. He goes off to the field, he finds a fatted uh, calf, and he says, slaughter this, prepare the meat, bry it, make it ready. He goes and he um, says to his wife, uh, bake a bread, and it's a massive amount of bread that he's making. I think he makes some patkos as well. So all of this trouble, I mean, this takes a couple of hours uh, for this meal to be prepared. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. And then he uh, stands nearby. He doesn't even take part of the meal. He lets them sit down and he stands one side under the tree while they have the meal. And while they have this meal, they have this conversation. Now, remember how the story kicked off. It says, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And I'm not, I'm never quite sure when in the story, at what moment, Abraham actually realizes that this is the Lord um, that's actually with him together with these angels. Um, But then these guys says, uh, well, surely next year we will prepare, uh, we will return. And your wife she would have had a son now in the previous chapter god already said that to Abraham. the lord already spoke to him about this so this is the second time this is a confirmation of the word that he's got that in a year's time his wife will be pregnant or would have had a son Um, and then abraham and sarah were already old and well advanced in years verse 11 and sarah was past the age of childbearing so verse 12, Sarah laughed to herself. And she thought, after I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? I mean, of all the times that it could have happened. And now, really, we passed that already. To which the Lord says, uh, why is Sarah laughing? Because Sarah, Sarah wasn't in the conversation. She was in the tent close by, just overhearing it, eavesdropping. And uh, she says, no, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. You did laugh, um, she says. And then the Lord said to Abram, uh, well, surely it's gonna happen. This will take place. Uh, it's a promise. Now, when they finished off their meal, uh, we come to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they stand up uh, together, these angels and the Lord and Abram, and Abram walks them off. Um, Just like good South African people will walk somebody to the car, uh, well, he's walking down the road, joining them with a journey. And on the way, they've got this conversation. And then it's interesting, verse 17, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Uh, He's going to become a great and a powerful nation and all nations on the earth will be best through him. I've chosen him so that he will direct his children in the household. Um, So, must I not make this known to him? Just look at what respect the Lord has towards Abraham. This is phenomenal. Think about, this is God speaking about a created being. And he says, um, well, I'm not going to keep him out of the loop. So, what does Jesus say? He says, you're not slaves, you are friends. And friends know what the master is doing. He also says, um, the Lord never does anything without revealing it first to the prophets. And Abraham is a prophet. So this is very a continuous line through the Bible. So think about your relationship with the Lord as well. Are you a friend of God? Voldu we are, right? So God will reveal to us what he's doing. He will make it known to us. We have to be expectant to know God. You will actually let us in on this. We're sitting in such an interesting time uh, in the world at the moment. And it was interesting at the beginning of the year that the Lord specifically spoke to us about our congregation. services being disrupted. Um, The Lord makes known to us before he actually does something. Because he wants us to be part of a relationship. And um, part of ruling and reigning with him eventually for all of eternity. And so, as a response to this, God then reveals to Abraham and he says to him, "Um, I'm going to Sodom and Gomorrah. And this city is so sinful that the cry of the sin has come up to heaven. And um, I'm going to see if it is as the report about it has taken place. In other words, this is the last check-in to see, is the city going to repent? Is things going to turn around? All they go down this road. Now, remember again uh, who lives there. At Sodom lives Lot, his wife, and his two daughters. They actually, at this time, they're staying in the city. Previously, uh, we told that they stayed close by. Well, he moved in and now is staying inside the city. And Abraham knows that. Uh, he knows that that's my nephew and his family. And they're going to be destroyed because the city is sinful. And the angels went off. The two angels continued down the road into the city. And God stood with Abraham as they looked down to the city. And at that moment, um, God says, uh, Abraham starts interceding. And he says, God, surely you will not destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. Um, In other words, he's appealing to God's character. He says, far be it from you, God, to do such a thing. uh, Because that would be unjust, right? So he starts seeing and he says, well, for the sake of 50 righteous people in it, far be it from you to do such a thing. To destroy 50 righteous people who are with all these evil people in the city. And God says, I will not. But look at the way, again, that he appeals to God. It's such a lesson for us, for intercession. He knows the Lord's character. He knows who God is, how God behaves, how just he is. He says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Um, So he knows the Lord out of a relationship. This is not just a, a legal appeal from a distance. This is the friend of God speaking to God who he knows well. And the Lord says, if I find five, 50 righteous people, I will not destroy the city. I will spare it for the sake of that 50. Um, to which Abraham responds, but what if it's five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people, the lack of five people? And God says, no, um, I will not. And Abram says, please, Lord, let me ask again, what if it's 40? Uh, will you not spare the city for the sake of that 40? God says, surely. I will not destroy the city if there's 40 righteous people. And he takes another bold step. He says, Lord, please don't be angry. What if it's 30 righteous people left in that city? And God says, I will not destroy it for the sake of that 30. He says, Please, Lord, let me be so bold to speak to you again. What if there's only 20 that can be found? So all of this is showing that Abraham knows just how evil that city is and that, oh, He's not even sure if the city is safe because there might not even be 30. But the Lord says, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Uh, What if there's only 10 that can be found there, Lord? The Lord says, well, if I can find 10 righteous people, I will spare the city. Then in the next chapter, we're going to close off the story now. But um, the city is destroyed, which means there wasn't 10 righteous people in the city of Sodom on Gomorrah and that territory. And therefore the Lord brought judgment on the city. Um, So think about what that says about us in terms of we're salt and light. And just God's love for the entire world that he said, I will make you salt and light all throughout the world. I will send you out to be people that preserves society and that brings light into society, that brings um, hidden things to light. And brings life and healing into the the places where you stay. God's desire is for us to be those righteous people in cities. That will raise it up. That will bless it. That will make it good places. Thriving places to live in. um, And that would spare it from destruction. But remember that we're in a different dispensation as well now. Through Jesus Christ. Um, When those disciples walked with Jesus around the road. um, And... At one stage, <laughs> people didn't want Jesus to come in. And some of the disciples said, the sons of thunder," they said, can we go like Elijah and call down fire from heaven and bring destruction on this place? And Jesus said, hey, what have I to do with you? That's not my way. That's that's not how I am. I've come to give life and life in abundance. I've come to bring grace and forgiveness. Um, So when we read the story, we cannot take that um, and look at history and say, ah, you see, that was an evil city. Therefore, God called down fire from heaven. Therefore, God brought a tsunami or therefore God brought a disease or whatever. Um, This is a new dispensation that we are in. And it's a period of grace through Jesus Christ. So um, unless God comes and clearly speaks and reveals why, what happens, It's not for us to try and figure it out, but to intercede and to continue to be salt and light where we are, to preserve and to uplift places. (laughs) Listen, thank you very much for another glorious discussion. You can hear the dogs barking in the background over here because we're recording from home now during lockdown. But thank you, Valdo. I greatly enjoyed this. Yeah, thanks, Garth. It's it's always fun, even though we're in different uh, locations. Great, yeah. Uh, I really enjoy these these sessions with you. Thank you so much. Um, so next time we're going into the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's really, it's food for thought for us. It uh, just shows the righteous judgment of God, um, that ultimately he is the judge of all the earth. He is the God that has to bring righteousness, but also who loves society um, because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross. We have to read it in the light of that, that he gave the sacrifice even for those cities that are that um, defiled. So thanks. Looking forward to jumping into chapter 19 next week. Thank you, Garth. I'm also really looking forward to it. It's always fun to have these discussions and very enlightening um, to read it from a more fleshed out perspective. So I really appreciate your time and the effort you put into these sessions. Until next time. Bye-bye.